Well, Merry Christmas. Uh, those of you who don't know me, my name is David. I'm uh, the pastor here, lead pastor. We had a lot of other ones, and uh, we're glad that you've joined us. And it's a powerful time of worshiping the Lord. And just uh, thanks for praying with me for the people over there in Connecticut. And it's uh, true what I was praying, isn't it? There's a reason we rejoice. Joy isn't some frivolous thing. Joy is in the midst. The very people who need joy are those who have been hurt the most. And um, this morning, before we, uh, before we leave, I want to bring to you the word of the Lord. I, I believe that God has a word to encourage you this morning. Uh, see, we've, we've all been fed in our, uh, in our tummies, right? We're satisfied. But man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. God wants to give us a word that satisfies our soul today, amen? And um, I want to... Um, I just want to, I want to speak a word of encouragement over you. I, I love Christmas. Every, every uh, well, actually, I, I have to start talking to my kids about Christmas in January because they want Christmas to come every, uh, the next, the week after Christmas, right? You know what I'm saying? They prepare all year. Anyone else have kids? They, they love Christmas. And I always tell them Christmas is Jesus' birthday. I love it. I mean, I think that's just the best way. It's just so simple to keep the reason for the season in our focus. But I, I always ask them this question. I say, I say, you know, G- Christmas is Jesus' birthday, but, but who gets presents on Jesus' birthday? And they always say, we do, you know, that kind of thing, right? And, and it's true, though, isn't it, that we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate it's the day of his birth, we celebrate when Jesus came to earth, but we give each other presents to celebrate his birth. And I think, to me, it's, that's the coolest thing. First, we just get presents. But it's the coolest thing because it tells us something about God's character. See, Jesus didn't come for something that we could give Him. He wasn't coming because, because He needed something from us. Jesus came because He wanted to give us something. And so many of you know, but some of you may not, that God is a giver, that God loves you. And God created you for a relationship with Himself. That he wants to bless us. This is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God wants to give us life. And he wants to, to, to bring us into relation with himself. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That he would forgive our sins. That he would make us right with God. And in that relationship, he wants to bless us. God is a God who wants to pour out blessing on His people. In fact, Jesus Himself said the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said of Himself, I have come that you would have life and life abundantly. It's not God that brings destruction. He's not the author of evil. He's the God who redeems and restores. That's why Jesus came. And when Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundantly, he was saying that because God wants to bless us. Some of you may not know, but in the Bible, which is the word of God, it's not like any other book, in the Bible are hundreds of promises that God wants to give you. They're like gifts to you. Promises that God has made to you. And God wants to bless you with those things. And this morning, I want to tell you a story real briefly of a man that God made a promise to. He's a man named King David. Now, we've been in a a series as a church studying the life of King David. Why? Because more than anyone else, God said, he's a man after my own heart. And so we want to become like David. As a church, we want to 
love God and know God and follow God and fulfill our calling like David did. So we've been studying David's life. But even more than that, David was the greatest king of Israel, and he's a really important figure, very key figure in the story of God's redemption that talk, talked about in the Bible. In fact, he is, mo- most of you know, the forefather of Jesus. Jesus isn't just called the Son of God, he's called the Son of David. He's David's son. And I want to I show you a story here uh, from 2 Samuel 7, where God made a promise to David. And just for the next few weeks, we're going to do a series called Christmas Promise. It's kind of a sub-series of our series about David. Because as I was seeking the Lord for this season, I felt like the Lord just put these two things together for us. He wants to show us something. So in 2 Samuel 7, I'm just going to tell you the story. I won't read all the verses. David is already king. He's, he's already gained position as king. He's reigning over Israel. And he's a good king. And God has blessed David. And in 2 Samuel 7, David is, is hanging out at his, at his man. He lives in Jerusalem. He's built this awesome house for himself. And he's totally blessed. There's peace in Israel. He's a new king. So he's, it's pretty early on in his reign. And, but already the nation of Israel is beginning to prosper under his reign. And David thinks to himself, and he tells Nathan the prophet, he says, man, here I am in this house, and God has blessed me, but the ark of God is in a tent. And the ark of God in those days was a symbol of God's presence where people would go and pray and worship. And so David's like, man, I'm in a tent. I mean, I'm in a house, and God's presence is being housed in a tent. And see, this is the cool thing about David is David was a man after God's own heart. He loved God. And many people, when they get blessed, they forget God. Not David. He always would remember God. In fact, he knew, without God, I got nothing. And not only that, is to him, God was everything. So God, I'm sorry, so David wanted to build God a house, a temple, where, where God would be honored, because that was his number one desire, that God would be honored, and yet where people could come and connect with God, pray and worship. But the funny thing is God's response to David. So David says, I want to build God a house. And David, through the prophet uh, Nathan, says to, uh, I'm sorry, God, through the prophet Nathan, says to David, you're going to build me a house. You're going to build me a house? I don't need a house. Did I ever ask anyone for a house? This is what God says to David. He goes, did I ask you for a house? Have I asked anyone for a house? I don't need a house. And then God says to David, I'm going to build you a house. I, I just think it's so cool. David goes, God, I'm going to build you a house. And God goes, you're going to build me a house. I don't need a house. I'm going to build you a house. He turns it right around. Why? Because God wants to bless David. God has already fulfilled David's, uh, God, God has already fulfilled his promise to David that David would be king. And yet it's not enough. God wants to keep pouring out blessing upon David. And so God actually turns David's desire around and says, no, 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 you're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. And he's not talking about a physical house at all. He actually says it like this in verse 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. God is telling David, this is a very, very important promise. God is telling David, your house, which is your dynasty, your kingdom will never end. In fact, God is saying, I'm going to put a son, one of your sons is going to sit on your throne, 
and reign as king forever. That's a big promise, isn't it? And that's what God promised King David. My kids understand promises. I can imagine, many of you have probably been raised like this, I can imagine what it would be like to be raised in a home where someone's yes is not yes and their no is not no. Being raised in a home where promises are not kept. You know, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, let your yes be yes and your no be no because anything more than this is of the evil one. That's pretty intense. Like Jesus doesn't say that very often. Let your yes be yes and your no be no because if you go beyond any of that, you just if you say yes, you mean it, you keep it. If you say no, you mean it, you keep it. Anything more than that is of the evil one. That's pretty intense. Why is it? Why does Jesus say that? Because God always keeps his promises. His yes is yes, and his no is no. In fact, there's only one thing the Bible says it's impossible for God to do. What is that? There's only one thing it's impossible for God to do. Lie. The Bible says it multiple times in many different ways. It's impossible for God to lie. His yes is yes, and his no is no. He's absolutely honest, integrous, truthful. He can't lie. So Jesus tells us, let your yes be yes and your no be no. I can imagine, you know, a kid growing up in a home where, hey, I'm going to be at your baseball game. Doesn't show up. Now, hey, things happen. Circumstances happen. So, you know, it happens one time or something. That's fine. But you can imagine growing up in a home where dad just doesn't come through. I can imagine growing up in a home where, where you know, a, one of the parents says, hey, I'm going to give you something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something, and, but then rescinds their gift. Oh, well, no, I know it's better for you, and so I'm, I can't, I'm not going to do it because... And the person grows up never knowing that yes means yes or no means no. Somebody might promise you something, may, not, may come through, may not come through. Many of us are raised like that. I could also imagine a, a parent saying, hey, you're going to get a consequence, and then never following through the consequence. And so the, parent, the child never knows that they can trust that parent's word. I'm really big on this. I'm definitely not perfect. perfect. Definitely not. But I'm really big on this. That my yes would be yes, and my no would be no. Because God's yes is always yes. And His no is always no. He always keeps His promises. He's always faithful. He can't lie. See, my kids understand this. When I tell them I'm going to do something, they know I'm going to do it. Obviously, there are circumstances beyond our control because we're not God, right? But my, my kids know. In fact, my wife knows. There's many times I go, oh, no, I got to do this. I promised them. She'll hear me say that a lot. Now, when you're like that, it also makes you question or second guess before you say something, right? You're not going to say yes all the time. And so my, my son, just to give you one quick example, my son will ask me. I mean, my kids love gifts and my presents. They want to be with me. They want to do stuff with me all the time. So all the time they're asking me stuff. I mean, they're insatiable for love, right? And so a couple of weeks ago, my son, can we play the Wii? Can we play the Wii? Can you play the Wii with me? Can you play the Wii with me? Right? Those of you who know what the Wii is, video game, right? And just can you play with me? Can you play with me? And I said, buddy, I already, and I had told him, I said, buddy, it's a, it's a crazy weekend. We got to do this and this and this, you know, just stuff going on all weekend. And um, so I said, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just kept telling him, I don't know, maybe. 
because I won't say yes if, if I can't promise it. He kept asking me and asking me and asking me. You know, it's good, good childlike faith there. And I finally was annoyed a little bit. I was actually, I was more overwhelmed because I was trying to do all this stuff, get stuff done. And I said to him, okay, hold on. I said, okay, I don't know when, but I said, by the end of this weekend, so by, I said, by Sunday night, before you go to Sunday, I promise you, I'll play at least one Wii game, like 10 minutes or so. He said, okay. I said, you understand? I said, yep. Done at Why? Because he knows. He knows since, I, since he was a little kid. He knows if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I keep my promises. Again, I'm not perfect, but I keep my promises. That's what I'm trying to say about the Lord. The Lord made a promise to David. And this promise is so important. Not just to David, but to us. Listen in Luke chapter 1. And behold, I'm sorry, this is the angel came to Gabriel, talked to Mary, mother of Jesus. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Which means Yahweh will save, God will save. He will be great and we be, will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Hundreds of years before that angel came to Mary. God said to David, One of your sons is going to sit on your throne forever. God made a promise to David. See, when we're celebrating Christmas, we are, we're celebrating Jesus' birthday. When God sent His Son to earth. But what we're celebrating is the fact that God keeps His promises. Christmas is when God kept a promise He made to one man. Not just Him though, is it? The fact that Jesus came to earth as our Savior to forgive our sins and to make us right with God was a promise he made to all of us. And yet the fact that Jesus would be the son of David was a promise he made to one man because he had a heart after God. It didn't look like it was going to happen. And it took a really long time. But he did it. Amen? God keeps his promises. Did you know that there's over three hundred about the coming of Jesus in the Old Testament. Over 300 prophecies. That's not all the promises about what we get because of His coming. There's hundreds more of those. I'm just talking about 300 prophecies that tell us in the Old Testament, God just kept t- saying, I'm sending the Messiah, I'm sending the Savior, I'm sending the Savior. But He would give over 300 prophecies detailing His coming. Well, I'm talking stuff like how he would die, the fact of his resurrection, where he would be born, things he would do in his life. Do you know the statistical probability of fulfilling 300 prophecies that were made hundreds of years before your life? Do you know the statistical probability of fulfilling 300 prophecies? Anyone? I don't either. 
That's insane. But I do know, I did read something on if only eight of them were fulfilled. Just take eight prophecies. And believe me, there's eight really specific prophecies that Jesus could not have made happen. Just eight. Just take eight, right? Here's the statistical probability. One times 10 to the 17. That's 17 zeros. That's a big number, right? The, the probability that you could make prophecies about a person hundreds of years before they lived, of details about their life, and see it fulfilled. It's like this. It's like taking the state of Texas, filling it up two feet deep with silver coins. Then take one gold one, throw it into the state of Texas, mix it up, blindfold a dude, and send him into Texas. And if he doesn't die before he finds the coin, he would reach down, pick up the coin, the first coin he picks, and it would be the gold one. That's insane, right? That's an astronaut insanity. I don't even know if that's like, if you can say it like that. That's just insane. What's my point? God keeps his promises. Amen? Promise after promise after promise after promise he made that I will send the Savior. And he did it. And did you know that because he's made us right with himself by his own blood, that if you're in Christ, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't, that's the first step right there. Come into relation with God by putting your trust in Jesus. But if you're in Jesus, the Bible says that all the promises of God are yes. That you're an heir of those promises. And so if you have a relation with Jesus, step two is find out about these promises. If you don't know that God has made promises to you, that's like you having a present, a gift, down at like the UPS store, and you don't even know it. So many believers, they don't know that God has made promise after promise after promise in the Word of God to them. Full of promises. The Bible's like this love letter from God to us. Full of promises, but many people don't know. Many people don't know that God keeps His promises. So I want to encourage you, if you don't know that you have promises, you've got to find out. Let me just tell you a couple real quick ones. In Romans chapter 10, it says, He who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, of course, saved means, you know, forgiven of our sin, but also means delivered, healed, restored, freedom. When I was 16, I came to know Jesus. And I encountered His forgiveness and a relationship with God, but I was so bound. I was bound in lust as a 16-year-old. And I, I, had, I had real struggles with depression, fear. And I, be, I saw that promise. I didn't know much, but I, I knew that one. And I began to cry out to God, just like he said. We've got to do our part. We've got to know how to receive the promise. In fact, we're going to talk about that next few weeks. I began to cry out to God. And he delivered me. People come and ask me, and how did God do that in your life? How do you walk in purity? You know, how do you walk freedom? You know what the answer is? God keeps His promises. Now, there's, there's more to it than that. Okay? I can sit down with you and walk you through some of the wisdom that God gave me to walk in those ways. But the bottom line is, God did it. God keeps His promises. And He has delivered me. 
the testimony of, life, of my life is that God keeps His promises. One time I was struggling with depression. In fact, I had burnt myself out. And so I'm talking physically, no joy. The chemicals in my brain depleted. And God actually says in His Word that the Bible is like the Word of God in the, in the Bible. It's like medicine to our physical body. And I saw a promise in Isaiah 61 where God promises double portion of joy. And there's a lot of promises about in the Scriptures. And I began to stand on that promise. I began to say, God, I want joy in my life. I, got, I don't have hope. I don't have motivation. I'm just weary. I need joy. I began to cry out to God that He would give to me those things. It didn't happen overnight. But the Lord has restored me. The Lord has given me that joy. In fact, um, I mean, not only is it just that most of my day I walk around, I just feel that joy from the Lord. Deeply rooted in that joy. Not just an experience, but deeply rooted in that joy. But more than that, even this last year, the Lord spoke to me. He said, because I enjoy you, you can enjoy life. And this year the Lord has blessed me and my family so much. Got three amazing kids, and it's a lot of things that the Lord has done for us. And I'll tell you, without that joy, I wouldn't be able to enjoy what God had given us. I'd be living in the past or living in the future, or I'd be my old workaholic self, or used to be bound in condemnation. You can't enjoy life like that. But the Lord has set me free, and the Lord has taught me just enjoy. So the, God has blessed me this year, and I've literally just begun. Uh, this year is just it's such a fulfillment where I've just. God's just blessing me, and I, I receive it. I'm walking in such an enjoyment of the Lord. See, the Bible says, those who fear the Lord will lack no good thing. Many of you are desiring and longing for good things. You're desiring a bad thing? Not going to happen. Well, and if it does, that's not good. Not God if it happens, right? But if you are desiring a good thing, some of you, you're longing for that partner. Maybe you're been, went through a horrible divorce or you're, you're single and you're longing for that partner, the Lord wants to give you a good thing. Some of us, we just go the, we shortcut it and end up with a bad thing. Not good, but if you'll wait on the Lord, He'll give you a good thing. Some of you are longing for a child. The Lord wants to give you a good thing. The scriptures say, by His stripes we are healed. Do you, do you think that God is up there wanting you to be in pain? No, some of you think that. He wants you to be healed. There are promise after promise after promise in the Scriptures for you. And I want you to find out what those are. But I want you to know that God keeps His promises. And Christmas is proof of that. He fulfilled His promise to David. He fulfilled His promise that Jesus would rise. And let me tell you, Jesus is coming back. And in His name, all oppression will cease. He will restore because He promised. He'll keep His promises to the very end. 